and on earth pizza for everybody with whom he is well pleased. Um, how many metaphors can we mix up in there? <laughs> All right. So I, I just have to ask you this one thing. What was it like when you were just right there in the garden with Jesus? What was that like? Um, when you just looked at him and he looked at you and comforting, that's right. Did anybody hear him say anything just re- really special just for you? Laura, what, what did you hear? He just called your name. Just name. What? That's, he just, you know, you just need is to hear Jesus call your name. To just say, Peggy, or Shirley, or Jackson, or Jonathan, or Donald Jean. Because that's what he's going to call you. He's going to say, Donald Jean, get right over here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Glory to God. Glory to Lord, we're just we're just so grateful. Just so grateful. How much you love us, Lord. That you take us wherever it is you find us and you just bring us to your heart. Um I just thank you, Lord, that we don't have to clean ourselves up or we don't have to figure out how to do all the do's or how to figure out how to stop doing all the don'ts or uh, Lord you, you just you just came back because you didn't want to lose us from the beginning of foundation of the universe you planned the whole thing out took us by surprise because we know we don't deserve any of it but, but here you are loving on us, encouraging us, picking us up when we fall down, cleaning up the messes that we make, or at least walking through us, walking with it through the messes that we make and giving us the strength to get through till we have a breakthrough. Lord, you're so good. We praise you for it. Praise you for what you're going to do now and the time we have left together today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I was thinking the other day, I've been a, a pastor here for about, I don't know, 250 years now, it seems. Um, you know, I, so I moved, we moved to this area in 1977. Um, when did y'all move here, Carl? What, what year did y'all move here? Yeah, that's what I thought. Gosh, I can't believe it's been that long. Uh, we're just, just, just think how much better this whole area is because we moved here. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. When we were forty years last November, uh, and all that. So that means that somehow or another, I've preached forty Easter sermons. Um, and y'all, I just have to tell you, it's really hard to find something new to say about Easter that, you, that hasn't been said before. Which, that's, so, 
there's, but, you know, so there's some, there's some standard Easter themes. Maybe you've heard them from me or maybe you've heard them from somebody else. But there, there are a set of things that get talked about at Easter. They're all good. I'm not saying that they shouldn't be talked about. But, um, but just name some of them. What are, what are some of the things that, that you expect or maybe even want to hear at Easter? Yes, sir. Sure. Yep, he is risen. Somebody else. But that doesn't have anything. You have to go sit on the back row now. Uh, what? No, not Pete. You're, you and Laura are both sitting on the back row now. Uh, somebody else. Right? The price is paid. The death of Jesus, it is finished. That's right. Tetelestai, the word in Greek means that you owed a debt that was 100% paid. The world owed a debt. It was 100% settled by the death. It was like stamping paid in full across every debt to God that you ever owned. Boom. Just done. So, yeah, that's good. Um, somebody else. Uh, yeah, it's association with the Passover and the, because it, they kind of coordinated with the, the Jews were separate, celebrating the, the sacrifice of a, of a lamb and a hope of a coming king the, the, the sacrifice way back in, in Egypt and the hope of a coming king kind of all mixed in together depending on who drank what wine glass at the same time. But, the, but Christians saw the fulfillment of the Passover for everyone forever at, at Easter time. Uh, anybody else? Something like you... Hold on to that thought. Good. Yes. Yeah, the starting of a new covenant. The old covenant that that existed before Jesus was if you do this and 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 if you and this and this and if you don't do these and 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 these then maybe maybe you have a chance to get on God's good side and he will bless you. And if there is such a thing as heaven, you'll get to go there. Because the Jews, honestly, in the days of the Old Covenant, the Jews weren't 100% sure there was a thing called heaven, uh, but they were just hoping for the best. Uh, So that was the Old Covenant. The New Covenant is, guess what? Your debts are paid. There's a reservation for you in heaven. And in the meantime, you and Jesus just get to hang out right here and now. Uh, So, I mean, it's great. See, we just covered four or five great sermons. Uh, And... Gosh, I got all this extra time. Um, but I came, I came across this picture. I was looking for pictures of the resurrected Jesus. Uh, and somebody described to me what kind, when you're seeing a picture of Jesus after the resurrection, just what do you think of? What do you see? Brightness. Glowing. What and it looks like? Uh, long hair, robes, draped, uh, Jewish man, and that's great. But I don't want a, 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 I don't want that Jesus. I want a Jesus now. So he's still got a beard, but he's wearing a vest and slacks and a shirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> he just got Jesus had just got back from like the men's warehouse. So y'all check this out. Check this out. I've never seen this picture before. It is. I, I just don't know what to, 
I mean, you just have to see this picture. Show it. Look at this picture. Ready? Doesn't that make you just want to go? I, I don't know. Man, I don't know what to say. <laughs> it just, he just kicks the door down and he is out the door and just throwing off the grave clothes. Yeah, yeah, you can see his foot and his hand. You can see the nail marks. Uh, isn't that, isn't that something? <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's, there's some debate about that. You're right. So, um, that, so this, let me tell you that um, for, this is what the resurrection will ever look like when I think about it, and, and it's, going to, it's what I look, what I'm, how I'm going to apply it to my own life. Let me, let, me, let me run some stuff by you real quick. We're going to back up to the book of Romans for a second. I'm just going to go as fast as I can because but I'm going to, we have to have a sort of some technical sort of spiritually legal stuff that we have to talk about here back in Romans chapter 8. Uh, it's the beginning of Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 7, uh, Paul was talking about just how awful his life was and how, how hard he had struggled to, to try to do the right thing and how often he failed to do the right thing and how bad, because he knew as, as a high-ranking Jewish official, he was supposed to not mess up. He was not supposed to make mistakes. He was supposed to keep doing the do's and all the do-da's and all that kind of stuff and, and not do the don'ts. But there were just certain things that he just couldn't seem to get. And for him, he just brought up the example of, of coveting. He said, I didn't really know about coveting until somebody showed me the law. And now I figure out, I find out that I'm coveting all the time and I can't stop. And, and even worse than that, uh, coveting is usually something that you do in secret. It's not like how you're sitting there just coveting and going like that, and somebody walks down and says, I saw you coveting, stop that. It's just, you're just, I mean, it's something you struggle with internally. A lot, of, a lot of things in terms of what we would call sin, we struggle with internally. Nobody necessarily knows what's going on except us, which is even worse because we're lying to them, which is an Another sin. We're lying to them. We're lying to ourselves. We're lying to God. And Paul was just totally eaten up with it, just struggling. He says, I'm just hopeless about this. And then, because of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, he's able to say this at the beginning of chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the word here in Greek means jail sentence. There is therefore now no jail sentence, no condemnation, no... uh, God, God is not looking to punch you in the face because of all the ways that you failed him. There is no condemnation. <clears throat> For the law of the spirit of life, that's the law we live under. We live under the law of the spirit of life. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now, I'll, but see, this is the test here. I want you uh, to turn around and look at somebody and then repeat after me. Turn around and find somebody, look at them. 
and repeat after me. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Has set you free from the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you and you and you and you free from the law of sin and death. I want you to say this after me. I have been set free from the law of sin and death. Now find somebody else and say, you have been set free from the law of sin and death. You have been set free from the law of sin and death. All right. For, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. And he did it for you. Look at this again. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. God did it for you. He did it for all of us. God did this for you because he loved you so much. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Well, I love this in bold. I just had to point this out. So that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, because he did it for us, might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Now, this is where the technical stuff starts. For those who are according to the flesh are trapped. That's in parentheses. Maybe. <laughs> They set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are walking according to the Spirit, they set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For the mind that's set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is two wonderful words, life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. And, and hostile, that's an okay word, but it's more than just it's not like, I hate God, I hate God, I hate God. It's like, I don't care about God. I'm not even thinking about God. I don't understand God. I don't under, I, all these people that talk about God, they just drive me crazy. I, I don't know what to do about God, so I'm just going to ignore him. Just, like, I'm just going to live my life as if God doesn't exist because I've met too many people who claim to represent God, and they have messed my life up so bad I, didn't want to, I don't even want to be around them. So if this is what God is like, I don't want to have anything to do with them. So, uh, but, it, but it's very, very typical. It's mostly our fault. And, uh, but this, uh, so, so people just end up being hostile towards you. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you are automatically hostile towards God because you don't have the right truth. For, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, not even able to do so, not even able to do so. And at the end, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And it's not that God's up there saying... Well, you're in the flesh, so I hate you. It's that I know you're trying your best, but I'm over here. I've already done it for you. I don't, I don't need you to do that. It's already done. I, I like the way I did it. I'm, I'm, I don't need you to help me. I just need you for to come and sit in my lap because I've already done this for you. You can't, you can't do something better than I already did it. You don't have to try hard to make everything, make yourself perfect and make your life perfect and hope that maybe I will like you. I've already done it. I love you so much I did it for you. All right. That was just a prelude. Uh, here's the mic drop verse. However, you are not in the flesh. You don't have to, you don't have to worry about it. You are not in the flesh but you're in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, check this out. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. So basically it says, if you, 
if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then the Spirit of Christ is in you, which means you are not living in the flesh. You may still have some fleshly attitudes, Randy, but uh, you, you may still have some fleshly attitudes, but you're not living in the flesh. You are united with God by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. You are not in the flesh. If the, Spirit, if the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who doesn't have the Spirit of Christ in them doesn't even belong. If you don't have the Spirit of Christ in you, you're not saved. If, because the, the first thing that happens when you reach out and invite Jesus to come into your life is um, the, the physical body of Jesus doesn't come clumping down and like, you know, like I know an old lady who swallowed a Jesus. No. Uh, it's... Um, it's Jesus, Jesus doesn't, the body of Jesus doesn't come and live inside you. What happens? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence and renews your spirit. And that's what's called being born again. When you invite the Holy Spirit into your life, that's what's called being born again. Your spirit was dead. Now your spirit is alive. So you're not in the flesh. Uh, If the Spirit of God dwells in you, uh, if Christ is in you, now this is the good part. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, that means the body is, your body is going to die because of sin. But there's a long, long story back to the book of Genesis, which we're not going to go into now. <clears throat> but uh, because sin entered into the world back then, this power, this force of sin, kind of like gravity, not like bank robbing, it's just a whole massive spiritual force called sin that tries to drag us away from God. And because of sin and its effect on us, we have bodies that die. So the body is dead or the body is going to die because of sin. If Christ is in you, even though the body is dead because of sin, your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? Jesus. Yes, we are the righteousness. He who knew no sin, that is Jesus, became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are alive because of his righteousness, which he gave to us when he died on the cross. So uh, if Christ is in you, your body's still going to die because of sin eventually. Uh, But your spirit is alive because of the righteousness that you were given when Jesus died on the cross. So your spirit is going to live forever. And here's the mic drop verse. But if the spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. There's a difference between mortal and dead. Uh, he, at this point, he, does, he could have easily said, uh, <coughs> he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your dead bodies. Because he's been talking about dead bodies. But he makes a distinction here. He uses the word mortal, which in Greek... Uh, refers to a condition of being that you are going to you are you are weak and you are human and you are going to die eventually but you're not dead yet your body is mortal not dead yet and in this condition of not dead yet raise your hand if you're not dead yet okay so in this condition of not dead yet He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life 
to your body in the here and now through his spirit who dwells in you. The same spirit who raised... How much, Can we agree? I keep waving this around and weird things happen. Uh, can we agree... that the resurrection of Jesus Christ was pretty awesome, pretty powerful, pretty life-changing, pretty history-changing, pretty much, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened, especially if you were those people. Yeah. Um, So, I think I should only have to say this once. The same spirit the same power, the same person, the same force, the same personality, the same whatever it is that happened that raised Jesus from the dead. That's in John Alexander. That same spirit is in Peggy. Same spirit is in Jack. Same spirit is in Diana. That's the exact the exact same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you right now. We can just end the sermon right there, right? Just boom, just drop the mic and walk away. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you, dwelling in you and you and you dwelling in me, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in you for the purpose of giving life to your not dead yet bodies, for giving life to bringing life to bringing the same glory that we saw in that picture to your life now. I'm not making this up. I mean, it's right there. Can you see that on the wall? I, I took this right out of an official New American Standard Version of the Bible. I didn't alter it in any way. Well, I put the lines in and changed the colors. But <laughs> everything, everything else, that's somebody, uh, the Apostle Paul wrote this in 55 AD. And it has been informing the life of Christians ever since that time. And it's true. It's true and we don't think of it at all, ever. We never get up in the morning and look at ourselves in the mirror and say, hey, same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead, dwelling in you, buddy. Uh, get to it. That, that, I mean, we never, we, we get up in the morning, we go, oh, I wish I could just go back to sleep because I think my body's going to die. I think my, my, because of sin, my body's going to die. All right. Okay, so... Wait, what? That spirit, that power, that person, the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead is dwelling in me right now. Okay, I'll give you one chance to do this. <laughs> but, but I don't want you to forget. I mean, you've... If, if you've been around for all 40 sermons, you've forgotten most of my Easter sermons. I don't want to ever forget this sermon. Obviously, Connie's heard me preach it before because she didn't forget it the first time. So 
<coughs> good for you, high five. Um, that means she's now qualified to actually preach next Easter. Um, <coughs> so I want you to find somebody, and I want you to say, oh, y'all remember the, <coughs> the, the, the best Christmas pageant ever, when at the very end, uh, the little girl, Herdman, whatever, Herdman, I can't remember, but she jumps up on the stage and she says, hey, unto you a, a child is born. All right, like, hey, this is really important. Unto you a child is born. It was a good thing. So, all right, so I want, everybody stand up. And here's this. Hey, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. All right, let's see if we can all do this. Find somebody, we can find somebody that you can point at. One, two, three. Hey, the same spirit who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you. <laughs> all right. Okay. Now that felt good, didn't it? Now, the problem with that is that the problem with that is you don't have any idea what that means. We've got, we had a little pep rally here. Yeehaw! Uh, but what does that mean? What, what kind of, of impact does that have on your life now? What kind of difference should that make in you? I mean, that's just another way. What kind of Things should now be possible. Um, and one more thing: How should this awesome news be changing your life? And let me just say this: It means different things to different people. And I can't tell you. I can't just. I'm not, I, don't, I haven't produced a course yet. Of oh, now that we know this, uh, step one: This can be done. This. This is, we don't have to overthink this. Same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is living in me. How does that change the way I, I get up and do my work in the morning? How does that change the way I, the way I interact with people around me? How does that change? Listen. How does that change the way you pray? How does that change? Well, let's just do this. Everybody just close your eyes. I want you to think of one thing in your life or about your life or just, you know I don't. What's one thing that you think would be different? If you approached it from the perspective that the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. That same potential, the same power, the same wisdom, the same glory, the same holiness, the same Love that all collaborated to raise Christ Jesus from the dead. How, how should, how could that change me? How would, what, if I was focused on that, 
instead of focused on all the stuff I whine about every single day. If I approached my life not just intellectually, here's the trick, not just intellectually thinking, oh yeah, same power that raised Jesus from the dead, listen we, yeehaw, but expecting for that power to be manifested in your life and planning your life for, well, at least changing your expectations around as you live your life, expecting for that power to actually be manifested and to just turn, be turned loose in your life. Could that make a difference? Could that make a difference now? If, if, and if the first thing that you reminded yourself of in any situation where you started to panic was, wait a minute, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. I don't have to freak out. I don't have to surrender. I don't have to give up. I don't have to try to keep those people happy just because I don't want them to hurt my feelings. I don't, I don't have to be or do or say or think. I don't have to live the same way that I live just as to feel safe and survive because the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in me. And I'm going to expect him to demonstrate and prove himself to me if... if if he raised Jesus from the dead, surely he can fix this situation in my life. And expect, expect that to become true in your life. Here's what I think. Um, I think that our life would probably look more like this. This, if... This could be, it should be, you, every day, all day, all the time. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. You don't have to live yourself, your life like you were in the tomb, just kind of texting the rest of the world and, uh, and letting the world just kind of stream past you. Uh, you... You can, you can come out of the tomb. Jesus has given you the power to bust away the tomb in your own life if you want to. The, the same power that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So this is actually a candid photo of the way John Alexander gets out of bed every morning. <laughs> or, or the way that he should. Or the way that all of us should. This is... This is the way, y'all, this is the because of what happened on Resurrection Sunday. This is how we could be living every day. Now, I know as soon as you go home, <clears throat> sit down and have some Easter hamburgers or whatever you're going to have, the devil's just going to suck you back into the way you used to live. But... It doesn't have to be that way. It never changes the fact that the, the same spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you. You know, God loves us so much. I mean, <clears throat> we are already deeply loved by God. We are fully accepted by God. Because of what Jesus did for us, we are completely, permanently forgiven by God. We have been lavishly blessed by God, and we've been eternally perfectly embraced by God as his child 
a child who brings him unspeakable joy. That's how much we mean to him. That's why he went to the cross in the first place. That's why the Holy Spirit lives in you today because of this is how he feels about you. This is what he won for you on the cross. And that's why, because that's true, that's why he's given you the ability to live life like this every day. And the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. 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 Father, there's so many areas of our lives that are just broken. Just broken. Honestly, we're trying to do the best we can and sort out some... Some of it's just stuff that's been done to us. And some of it is stuff that we've done to other people. Some of it, most of it, stuff we've done to ourselves. Decisions we make out of fear or anger or rebellion or selfishness. They just end up messing us up and messing up other people. And Lord, we just, it's because we never knew. We never knew. Nobody ever told us, God, how much you love us. Now, we were told us that, this, that your presence, the same presence and power that raised Jesus from the dead has now been poured out in our lives. That we could walk through life with you together and walk right into eternity. So, Lord Jesus, be merciful. We thank you for your mercy. And Lord, we just confess right now that we've just been spending too much time in the tomb our own little personal darkness where we think we can, can be in control of stuff because we're afraid. We've been afraid, Lord, to turn loose and walk in the glorious light that you provided for us. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross to pay for our sins. Thank you for busting loose from the tomb to share new life with us. Lord Jesus, right now, we're going to celebrate Easter, the special resurrection of our own lives. Lord Jesus, all over again, we're just surrendering to you. Lord Jesus, we just ask you would come into our lives this morning in a new way. You surrender, not to our opinion of who we think you are, but we just surrender to you to come in and be whoever you really are in our lives. We open our hearts. Come, Lord Jesus. Come into my life. Fill my life with the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. Change me, Lord. Help me. Heal me. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.